This is Melanie Ake, your host for Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today on Everyday Leaders, you'll meet Jesse Cruz, U.S. Army veteran, youth influencer, and author who has turned the tragedy and pain of losing his daughter into becoming her voice for others to live their purpose. What if your life was only 42 days? How would your life inspire the world? Listen in as Jesse shares how this experience changed his life and the eight critical steps that you can follow to live your dash. This story is dedicated to Faith Cruz. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to the University of Indianapolis, Saturday, February the 29th, 2020. Use this one extra day in 2020 to invest in you. This year's theme for the Leadership Summit is Change the World. So join us on Saturday, February 29th, 2020 in the Health Pavilion to gain the inspiration you need to change the world. Get your tickets now, as there will be limited seating. Go to everydayleaders.com, and let's change the world together. Welcome to Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. Jesse Cruz, thanks for being on Everyday Leaders today. Thank you for having me. This is great. People that don't know you yet, you have written a book called Live Your Dash. And there is a poem that talks about people that are in the cemetery, that the dash is the most important part of that tombstone because that's how they live their life. And so you've written a book, and I wanted to bring you on today because... You have so much passion about helping people discover their freedom while they're living their dash. And so thanks for coming on and sharing your story. I'm just excited to have this opportunity. I want to take the time to, to thank you personally for taking the time to invest in me to help me invest in others. Oh, this is so great. You know, this is about leadership and all that we do to help people develop strategies to live their life with success. So your theme, your message fits right into what my listeners love about this show. So help people understand, you know, first of all, being an author sounds a lot uh, scary for many people <laughs> that they would think, how in the world? So tell us about how did you get this idea the theme of Live Your Dash, what inspired you to kind of think about why this would resonate with people? Well, actually, this book was written through the greatest tragedy of my life. Um, and during the time that I was going through this tragedy, writing became my way to 
established the freedom I was looking for. You know, I was way to gather my thoughts and my feelings and my grief. I was able to put it all on paper and that helped me process what I was going through. And um, my daughter was in the hospital. She was born premature in the NICU a few years ago. And after 42 days, she passed away. And from that process, I said, well, I want to write. I want to write about my experiences in life um, because I know if I'm hurting, I know that there's other people in this world that are hurting. And I, my goal is to help people just hurt a little bit less mm-hmm. and to give them um, some hope uh, while they're hurting, you know, because hope is what makes the healing possible. Absolutely. I want you to talk about those 42 days, Jesse. That's, you know, that's a short time for many, many people that are listening and they think 42 days, that's just a little over a month. How that changed your life? Um, everything in my life has been different since then. You know what I mean? Um, from anything from uh, my relationships with people, you know, f- through that situation of her being born so young. I mean, she was born, she was one pound when she was born. Um, and being in the hospital every day, that kind of became our second home. And um, our relationships and friendships changed. You know, I was able to see and experience many different things. Being in a hospital, I never would have experienced if that didn't happen. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about it is, is, and I was able to really understand um, my faith and my relationship with God. I was able to um, grow closer as a husband and a father and a man, really, um, through that whole journey and experience. And I'm just thankful that I was able to take something beautiful from something that was so broken and shattered in my life. And, you know, 42 days is, you know, obviously that's not a long time. Um, but those, I'm thankful for the 42 days I had because I have 42 days of, of memories with her and spending time with her every single day and just, you know, still being her dad. But it was a different role as being a dad because I have, you know, I have other children as well. And this this role as dad was, was completely different. You know, I never got to do the things with her that I got to do with my other children. So, But I'm much more... I'm thankful and, and appreciative of the times I do get to spend with my children. And I, I hope that through this process that, you know, my book that I has written, you know, I, I really say that my daughter wrote the book because if it wasn't for her life, this book never would have been written. Mm-hmm. Um, she really taught me about what living your dash is all about. And that's, you know, every day she fought and she battled despite the setbacks and despite the, the, the hurdles and the tragedies that she was going through. She just fought to the very end. And I think that, as human beings, we have all these struggles and these challenges that we go through, and we just want to give up. Mm-hmm. And part of living your death is you can't give up. And when you get on the other side of that adversity, that's where the freedom is. You know, that's where your purpose comes to life is that not giving up and, and knowing why you're here. Everyone has a certain gift and ability and skills and talents that they've been given. And when people activate those gifts, they really, truly start to live their life. Mm. That's so powerful. That's so powerful because you really became your voice for your daughter through this book. This is the amazing thing about that. There's people all over this country and people in different countries. So people all over the world are literally being impacted from a one pound, 42 day old child that they've never even met before. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Talk about the influence. You know, we know as leadership coaches that that's really what it's all about. Leadership is influence. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it really is. And, it, and she, she influenced me so much that to the point where now I was able to 
a dream that I had put off, a dream that I was not brave enough, I wasn't courageous enough to pursue, which was writing and becoming an author, her life is what influenced me to make that leap. You know, I think everybody is on the verge of taking a leap to go do something that scares them a little bit. And that leap, it's going to require faith to do it, you know, and, and she showed me that, yeah, you can do this. Look what I'm doing. I'm fighting. You should fight too. And I, and from her life, I was like, man, I really need to take this leap, even though I don't know what I'm doing and I'm scared and I don't feel qualified. But when you've been called to do something, it doesn't matter if you're qualified, you'll just be able to do it. It'll work itself out because it was your calling all along. And a lot of times people are afraid and insecure and they don't think they're smart enough or rich enough or talented enough to make it. But if you ha- everyone has a gift planted inside of them somewhere and sometimes it takes a tragedy or a certain situation to bring it out. For me, it, unfortunately, it took a tragedy for me to experience the calling I've had all along. But how do you listen to that calling? Because oftentimes people will say, yeah, I had something like that happen, but I didn't get that aha moment that it was supposed to be about other people. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, through my grief that I've gone through is that, you know, sometimes people become trapped in the grief. Mm -hmm. They become trapped in the tragedy. Mm -hmm. They are caught in the moment of the pain and the hurt. So they take their identity in that pain and that hurt. Um, But I truly believe your pain is the direct step to your plan. Your pain is the, is the path to your power because it's your pain is where you really kind of get to know yourself it's really where the foundation of what you believe in. You really get to understand what you really believe in. A lot of people can say they believe in a lot of things, but until your entire world is shaken apart, you, you really don't know the foundation of what you believe in. And, and what I believed in was getting shaken to the core. And I couldn't waver because I knew that there was a plan for me. And part of following that path and that purpose that we all have is to know that there's a greater and bigger picture in this world than, than me. I knew that her suffering was, was bigger than the suffering that me and my wife and my children were experiencing. It goes bigger than that. And I, was, I realized that there's an entire world of hurting people. And if we are all hurting, someone's got to be the brave one to speak out about it. Someone's got to be bold enough to talk about the pain and the suffering to give the freedom to other people to share their, their pain and their suffering. And when people are, you know, they're kind of wavering back and forth, you know, I would say that we all have a little bit of a tug. It's like this little bit of tension that we feel in our heart and our mind that something's missing because something is missing because we're, we're not pursuing what we've been called to do. Mm. And when you get to the point where you accept the call, you pick up the phone, you accept the call that's in place, there's this joy and there's this peace that we've been pursuing our entire lives and we have found it in many different things. But when you find that purpose in gifting and calling, everything changes. Your vision becomes more clear. You start to understand this is who I was created to be all along. Mm -hmm. And for the people out there who are questioning what their gifts and what their talents and what their skills are, you know, there's a few questions I feel like you have to ask. You have to, first of all, you have to know what you're good at. You have to know what you're passionate about. You have to ask yourself, does the world need this? And there's an op- is there an opportunity for me to share this with the world? You know, I think once you ask those questions, I feel like your, your purpose becomes more clear. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people feel that they have been led by other people to tell them what that's supposed to be. 
right? And so that inner voice is what you talk about is so important for people to just tap into and in either journal or what do you what do you suggest for people that are struggling with that part of it? Like understanding what their true gift is. Well, I mean, there to me there's there's gonna be signs that point to it throughout your entire life. You know, for me, when I was younger, um, I, I I always had a a gift and ability to write, um, but I didn't have the right, I guess, guidance to point me in that direction of becoming a writer. Um, so I always knew it was in there. It was something I've had at a very young age. It's just something I never pursued. And as I became older, you know, I was searching and, and seeking out. And there's and there's actually things that you can research online. You know, there's there's you know gift gifting tests and things like that that people can look up and take evaluations. And I know that may sound kind of you know, unorthodox to do, but some people just need that concrete here. This is what my gifts are. And there's certain gift tests that people could take right online and they can kind of, it, it ranks it from highest to your least effective gifts. And, and sometimes people just need that. And, you know, with that being said, people are going to point it out to you. People are going to say something to you. People are going to say, Oh, you know, eventually someone's going to point out, say, Hey, you did that very well. Or, Hey, you're very good at that. Or that comes natural to you. And everybody instinctively knows what they're good at. It's just, it's just having the courage to take the step to take it um, to a level where they're committed to it. Mm-hmm. Cause people sometimes they're under committed or they're over committed to things. So it's, it's making the decision to remove the things that we're just only kind of good at and to focus on the thing that we're great at. Mm, that's a great lesson. We know validation is so important to many, many people in the world say, unless somebody else tells me that's what I should be doing, unless I see that billboard, then it's really scary to think that I have to give up the things that I'm just naturally doing in my everyday life to focus on my strengths only. You know, I think we learn from our mentors, right? Stop doing the things that you're a C average in and start doing those things that your A plus energy leads you to because that's your purpose, right? That's where your sweet spot Mm -hmm. is. That's how you can influence. That's how you can be creative. Like you say, as a writer, thinking about the things that you wrote when you were young and how you felt, you know, if you closed your eyes and think about how that made you feel when you were doing it, those are the things, the strategies that I think help people to realize those are your gifts, (laughs) right? And figure out a way to connect to groups or organizations or online classes that can really help you develop those things. And and taking that intentional time to say, yes, I'm busy. I've got kids and soccer. I, I, we travel, right? You have job responsibilities and church responsibilities. But making that dedicated time, I think, what you, what you spoke into is really critical. The, the you time, the me time to say, how do I develop this thought process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say people aren't, they're not reaching their full potential if they're not pursuing the gifts that they've been given. Mm-hmm. You, you, can, you can do a lot of things well in this life and um, have a lot of roles that we all play, but if you're not pursuing and being committed and all in on the thing that you do the best with the least amount of effort, 
then you're going to be cutting yourself short because that's really what the gift is. It's the thing that you do the best with the least amount of effort. There's a lot of things that we can do great and do well, but it takes so much energy and effort just to do it a little bit well. Whereas your gifting is more of a natural thing that you do great and doesn't take as much effort. Now, you should put effort into it, but it just comes more natural. You should always want to develop the skill and the talent that you've been given. But it's not like I have to hurt myself to do something well. Whereas I've tried other things. I'm trying to be great at something I wasn't created to be great at. And there, there's a lot of things that we should all, we, pers- we should all pursue greatness. Um, but the greatness, the best kind of greatness is the one that we have naturally built inside of us from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We were already designed with a purpose, right? <laughs> we were designed on this earth with a purpose. And your daughter's was to help you identify how to share her voice so that she could influence the world. And, and so what you've done with that, you know, what, tell me about the trade-offs that you made in, in saying you're becoming an author and you were dedicating this time. I mean, not just the time that you gave up in the hospital to be with her and, and focusing on this, but tell me about your life after this experience. So my, my morning routines are different, you know, in, in dealing with, with trauma like that, um, I would suggest for anyone who has lost someone or has gone through a traumatic event is that you need to seek help, you know, and I'm not, I'm not too proud or ashamed to admit that I had to seek help professionally because I did, you know, I had to go to, you know, these grief groups and bereavement groups and counseling. And I had to go through all this stuff because I had to understand, I had to try to understand what I was going through emotionally. Um, Mentally, I was trying to grasp it emotionally. I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. And so, you know, going through these groups and going through these counselings, that, that was a change and a shift, you know, because it's, it's easy to think that until you've experienced a traumatic event, that counselling is for weak people. Uh, and going to get support groups like that, there's something wrong with those people. We kind of put ourselves on a high horse. Well, I became one of those people, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because I think that at some point everybody will need to seek some sort of counsel similar to that at some point in their lives. So we can't be too proud to seek help. And secondly, with that, I would, um, my sleep pattern was changing because I, now I was getting up earlier. You know, I, I'd get up early in the morning and every single day I'd grab a pen and a paper and I would write um, at least a page. You know, I'd have a, like a notebook and I'd write at least a page to two pages every single day in the morning. And I would write, I didn't know what I was going to write. I let my my emotions kind of lead the way on, on what I was writing through this process. And, you know, I would write until I cried, you know, and I did that every day. And I wrote for about two months straight until I started to see um, a book forming from it. You know, I was like, I starting to see a theme here. I'm starting to see a pattern. I'm starting to see like a trend and all this. So I can turn this into a book. And you know, like I said, I was very emotional. I started writing very recently after her passing. I mean, I started writing the book, I'd say about a week and a half after she passed away. So it was very fresh and very new and very raw for me. Um, but I said, the writing is going to help me. And if it can help me, it can help others. So, you know, my life became different with that, you know, and some of my friendships began to change. Uh, I had some people that I had complete strangers, literally complete strangers who inserted themselves into our lives. They, they just knew of us and they wanted to, to be there for us. And just seeing the support from people I didn't even know was amazing. 
it was beautiful. And then also on the opposite end of the spectrum to see some people who have known me my whole life or people who, who were my close friends and family and things like that, um, not really reach out at all. So I had to learn that lesson in a very unique way because I'm, I'm seeing how certain people are, are rising to the occasion to see, you know, how my family is hurting and to, to step in and be there for us. And the people I thought would always be there all of a sudden weren't. So I had, that's something I had to deal with and, and learn about relationships and, and how they can work through crisis and trauma. And I, I was thankful they're all valuable life lessons. You know, I'm not mad at anyone or anything like that. I just had to learn that people deal with grief differently. Right. That's and a, that's a and big from lesson. that, I, mm. and from that, I said, you know what? What worked for me? This is just and like this isn't for everybody. What worked for me were the people that sought me out, the people that call, called me every day, the people that texted me, the people that came to my house. That's that's what helped me. And for some people, that might not help them. They want their space. But for me, that's what helped me. And, and from, from that, I've had you know, certain friends and people that I know in my life who have gone through something very similar to me. And I just said, well, it worked for me. And I, and I feel led that it can work for them. So since then, I've formed relationships with people that were basically strangers to me and now become some of my closest friends. And so I'm, I'm much more empathetic. I have much more compassion for people who are hurting, for people who you know are in a hospital, or people who have lost someone important in their lives, I have much more compassion on them than I've ever had before, because I know what it's like to have the most important person in your life, you know, your child. I know what it's like to have a dream crush in your life completely flipped upside down. I now really have a clear understanding of what that feels like, and I don't want people to feel like how I felt. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of fear that people feel on so many dimensions that can just understand gaining community, gaining support in their own way, whatever that looks like for them, can really help them get through the, the process and it can change you through it. And that's what's critical. You will be changed because of it. And, and so you have to be open to understand that, right? Things can never be the same because once you experience something, you will be changed. Um, it's, a great, uh, it's a great segue to talk about these five things that I think about all the time, the Fs, the fitness, the finances, the family, the faith, the friends. And in your book, you talk about eight Fs. So you've got a few more. Yes. So, can, <laughs> yeah. so help us just kind of, you know, think about when when we hear coaches and we hear motivational speakers, they always hold up their hand and say, there's five F's. And you say, yeah, there are, and there are a few more. So tell us about the <laughs> few more. Okay. So, um, so, all right. So re, I, I'm going to need your help. So I'm going to need you to name those five for me. Yeah. And I can tell you what the other ones are. <laughs> just there, just there, so I can be sure that I heard you correctly. Yes. I don't want to repeat what you already said. Yes. So friendships, fitness, finances, family, and faith. Okay. Okay. Um, so it looks like we're missing. Um, okay. So there's there's... There's a few other ones. So first um, is focus. To me, without focus, people are completely lost. You know, I, 
you know, and I, and I reference this in the book. It's a quote that I, uh, that I use is that, um, when it comes to focus people and in their lives that you're always moving, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So people need to remember that your, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So it really starts with your thinking, what you think about, what you meditate on, what is on your mind, your next from your mind goes into action. And so I believe focus is so important. I had to be so focused when writing this book. I couldn't think about other things. I had to be completely committed and dedicated to this one thing. I had to be locked in. This is what I'm going to think about. So for me, focus is so important because throughout my entire life, things that I've spent time thinking about are things that became part of my life. So um, if I, I can just use any example, if I'm thinking about going to the gym, if I'm thinking about being fit, if I'm thinking about exercise, I'm more likely to be fit, go to the gym and exercise because it's in my mind. It started there and then it became an action. So focus is so important. And, and at the opposite end of the spectrum, if I think, I, if I'm thinking about negative things or wrong things or bad things or terrible things, or if I can think about mistreating someone, I'm more likely to be disrespectful to someone if I'm thinking disrespectful thoughts. So focus is so important. Whatever you think about, there your life goes. Where the mind goes, the man follows. Is something I live by. Is because wherever you're thinking about, that's the track that you're heading on. So that's why focus is so important to me. How do we focus? How do we focus? How do you how do you recommend as a coach now as a speaker for people to get that focus? Because we're distracted, right? We're isolated. We feel like there's a lot of things that capture our attention, cell phones and internet and family and commitments. Mm-hmm. Well, with this, um, so for me, what, what worked for me was that I had to, for me, there's some things you've got to sacrifice to focus. Mm-hmm. Um, focus doesn't happen on accident. Nobody, nobody drifts into focus. It's not something you stumble upon or fall into. <laughs> it's an intentional act and decision. And when you make a decision to do anything in life, you must decide what you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. So I had to decide that I was going to get up early in the morning before my entire family was up. I had to get up early in the morning. Yes. Sacrificing a little bit of sleep. I had to, because I had to be focused. So if I woke up at my regular time, while uh, my family's awake and there's other responsibilities happening, then I couldn't focus. So to me, focus requires solitude. It requires some time alone. And people, unfortunately, they don't want to spend time alone with themselves. Because the longer you spend time alone with yourself, the more you get to know yourself, and you won't have all these distractions which are just a, a method and way, you know, social media, phones and cell phones, internet, and things like that work, whatever the case may be. We utilize these things to deal with other issues and concerns, but not really ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we use those as a way to escape ourselves. And if you really want to know yourself, you have to spend time alone with yourself with no noise, no screens, no people, no responsibilities, and no other things to distract you. And, and most people don't want to do that. 
Because if they took the time to sit with themselves and really understand their thoughts, their feelings, emotions, dreams, hopes, and fears, then they would really see that there's a lot of um, unfortunate things going on in their life. And it's easier to pull up an app and get on social media to kind of get a quick, nice, easy fix and get a like and look at a post and look at something online in a video or whatever the case may be. It's easier to do that and to actually deal with what's really going on inside of you. So to me, it's just being alone with your thoughts and removing every single distraction, whether if you've got to wake up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever it is for you, and completely remove all responsibilities. And spend the time with yourself for a few minutes every single day. That's where the focus happens. That's where the focus happens. So tell me about number six, Number that's number six, number seven. So... The other one is forgiveness. Um, that, to me, it's, it's huge. You've got to have forgiveness. Every human being on earth has someone in their life that they need to forgive for something, whether they were a child or they're an adult. At some point in our lives, there's a human being that hurt us, and we need to forgive them. And there is no freedom without forgiveness. It may be one of the most important ones because you can't ever experience freedom if you're still trapped from pain that happened a week ago, a month ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. So the forgiveness is so important. And on top of that, also forgiving yourself. There's been times we're all human beings. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things wrong. And we can get trapped in, and live a life with guilt and live a life of remorse, not forgiving ourselves for being human, that sometimes we are going to get it wrong. We are going to, we are going to just make a mistake and we need to learn how to forgive ourselves. And then with that, we also need to recognize in our human, in our human form that we have hurt other people. And sometimes we don't even know about the people we've hurt. We've unintentionally hurt people, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, the list can go on. We've hurt somebody at some point, whether we realize it or not. And it's in being bold enough and also being humble enough to ask them for forgiveness so we can move forward. Any healthy, truly intimate, honest relationship is going to require some form of forgiveness. And relationships are healthiest when people are consistently being able to forgive. It's a big one. I think that is the number one, I think, in my book, to think about those things that are really important that you need to write down and, and take action on, right? That can really change how you see yourself, how you feel about the world, and then how you show up. Really important, Jesse. Uh-huh. Really important. So on the uh-huh. last one, what's, what's your number eight? Well... This one is, it's unfortunate um, with this one because I just believe as the older we get, the less this one becomes important. And when we were younger, it was the most important thing. And it's fun. (laughs) Um, With the responsibilities of life, 
with the demanding, with the tasks and the family life and the, the social life and, and the social media and, and trying to do all the things that we do, whether that's college or whether that's community, whatever the case may be, uh, fun has taken a backseat. And let me tell you what, it's pretty hard to be great at something if you're not having fun at it. It's almost impossible. <laughs> that's the truth. That's so if you're going to love, if you're going to try to be passionate and try to be great and try to be a leader and an influencer, you better have fun at what you're doing or you're going to burn yourself out and you won't be doing it in a few years. Mm-hmm. So to me, fun is very important. It's, it's, it's one of my top priorities. Fun is something that I, I choose to be involved in a part of every single day. It is so important to me. It's very important to me and my family. We are very creative in ways that we can create fun and be involved and participate in fun in all situations. And, and some people think, you know, they don't have the freedom to choose to have fun. And so I think that's really important to take away from this, too, is you get to design, you get to choose the things that you're involved in that you give your energy to. And so thinking about, you know, how you're going to show up today, how you're going to involve yourself in all of these aspects of improving your life to live your dash, if you will, and improve your life and change your life that will change others. I think when people are, you know, they're pursuing leadership and they're pursuing to do um, the great things that they aspire to do, that fun is so far down on the list that they, they lose themselves. You know, we can, every, I think every person can, can think back to their childhood to a fun memory they had. You know, if we took the time to really, really think when you were 10 or 15 or however old, you could think back to a really fun memory and the joy that that gave you in your life and how as you got older, um, those things started happening less and less and became more about the everyday daily grind, the task after task, responsibility after responsibility, became more driven of, of what I have to do. Like life is a checklist. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. But I think life is more about becoming than it is doing, you know, and be in becoming a person who in, enjoys what they do. You know, it's, it's, it's good to do good things, but it, it's better to enjoy doing them well and enjoy them in general. Um, we can do the greatest task in the world and, and reach every goal we've ever, ever dreamed of having. But if we didn't enjoy it, then what is the point because we're sacrificing our happiness and our joy to complete a task, to maybe impress people we may never meet or people who don't even like us. We're looking to have this status of, of look at us, look how great we turned out, but inside we're miserable. That's not success. That's not leadership. Part of leadership is also enjoying what you're doing and enjoying the people that you're helping and doing life with. That's why fun is so important. Mm-hmm. That's, you can't be a servant, right? When we talk about servant leadership, and all the things that you've done, you know, we really focused on the strategies in your book because that's what's inspired you to make the changes in your life, to connect deeper to people. And it was through that message that you really tuned into, that your daughter was, was showing you, here's the path, Dad. Here's what you do next. Here's how you use my life to inspire others. And so I'm just, I'm so proud of you for going through this process, for sharing your story because oftentimes, you know, we, we become isolated. And like you said, we don't believe that there's support groups. We don't believe that that had any power for us. And 
uh, a lot of times we become sad and depressed and lonely, and that changes us. So all the good things that happen, you know, there's a purpose. We have a purpose-driven life. And so to tune in, to be in tune with everything that can affect you in a positive way, to influence and inspire the world, that's, that's really what your story is about. I think, I just, I love, I love how you said that. I, I think that's what everybody's story is about. They just don't realize it yet. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's life has the ability and potential to inspire the world. It's just, are they going to take that leap yet? Are they going to be bold enough to declare it and claim it that they have this gift and this talent to share it with the world? Because what good is a gift if you don't share it? If you went downstairs on Christmas morning and there was all these gifts, but you couldn't open them up, what, what use would they be? Mm. They, would, they would be completely useless because they're not being used and given to other people. If they were to stay in a box and wrapped up and tucked away and no one could ever touch them or activate them or share them with the world, those gifts would mean nothing. So we have these gifts that are sitting inside all of us and we're not opening up the gift and we're not opening up the gift and then we're not sharing the gift and we're not spreading the gift. So the gift just sits there and collects dust and it doesn't do anything. And we need to be brave enough to open up the box of the gift that's inside of us and spread it to the world. What a great message. Jesse, oh, you've touched my heart today and I'm, I am just so grateful for you in my life. I really, really appreciate you. You are really one of the top epitomes in my mind of thinking about what an everyday leader is. You, you were designed to show up and to give back and to create change in the world. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for, for coming on the program. Tell people how they can connect to you. Uh, if they listen to your program, uh, there's a lot of ways. Live Your Dash is your book. But share with us how we can connect to Jesse Cruz. Well, Melanie, thank you for your words of encouragement. Um, I've just been seeing what you've been doing and um, to make a difference and impact this world. And um, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to be on here, to see you investing in, in leaders all over the place. It's inspired me to take mine to a whole other level because the people like you are so committed. So I just want to thank you for that. And to get a hold of me, the best way to find me is I am on Facebook. Um, I also have a business page on Facebook, um, Jesse A. Cruz or Jesse Cruz, my personal page. And then on Instagram, I'm author Jesse Cruz on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, my book is on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or everywhere books are sold. Um, and also on pennantpublications.com. That's my publishing company. That's another way to order the book as well, or people can contact me directly. Um, so I have, you know, a variety of ways for people to contact me, um, Anyway, works. Um, I just appreciate the support of, of everyone taking the time to, to listen to my story because this story really just isn't my story. It's, it's your story. It's her story. It's his story. It's everyone's story. All our stories are connected in some way. Um, I don't believe any story is isolated all by itself is that we all are interweaving and interwoven through and they're connected in some way. And I just, I just hope and pray that. Uh, people can get out and read this book and, and take a chance to to read it and, and apply the life principles because I believe it'll help everybody. Amen. Amen. Well, you've heard the story. Connect to Jesse. My message is step up, step into your life and be the everyday leader in your life to change the world because you have the power to do it and we believe in you. 
Thanks for joining, Jesse. Thank you so much. The second annual Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to the University of Indianapolis, Saturday, February the 29th, 2020. Use this one extra day in 2020 to invest in you. This year's theme for the Leadership Summit is Change the World. So join us on Saturday, February 29th, 2020 in the Health Pavilion to gain the inspiration you need to change the world. Get your tickets now, as there will be limited seating. Go to everydayleaders.com and let's change the world together. This has been a Joe Egg Studios production.